0: You're listening to Soul Work With San, where we believe your soul is worth the work. Here, we talk all things life, love, and leadership to help you find healing and be made whole. And today, we're doing just that. You ready? Let's work. Fam, did you catch last week's episode? Even my mama had some words for me about last week. Now, if you haven't gotten a chance to, please run and go check it out. Share it with your friends. It's one of the most important episodes I believe I've ever done. Because to quote my dear friend, Winter, grace is for everybody. So to give you a quick recap, while we acknowledge that there are many what we would call scandals hitting the church world this year, The greater scandal is this no matter who you are, what you've done, or what's been done to you, the grace of God is available for you. Now, we had to hit on the two camps that seem to be screaming the loudest right now there's legalism, aka Pharisee, and they're hollering, holiness or hell. And then there's antinomianism, or the hyper grace movement, and they're convinced that you can still be saved and live according to your fleshly desires, because Jesus gets to be Savior, but not Lord. Mm -mm. The thing that struck me most in prepping for the show was that the root of both camps are from the same place. They're not on opposite sides of the spectrum, as we would suppose. Nah, fam. See, they both believe this, that God is unable to satisfy them completely. And so they leave their ultimate happiness to their own efforts. In other words, they've decided to take their life into their own hands and they've forsaken trusting in Jesus for fullness of joy. Womp womp, okay? <laughs> blown away when I stumbled on this. I was blown away. But at the same time, it made me even more aware of how sneaky and tricky this flesh can be. It will always, Always be willing to play us just for some temporary feelings. Okay, son, okay, so we get it, right? No one side of the fence has it right. But where does that leave us? Well, right, dab, smack in the way of Jesus, fam. Like the best place we could ever be. Where else can we turn when we ourselves fall into temptation? Who can we turn to to restore our dignity? Who knows us at our absolute worst? and still believes we're to die for, it's Jesus. And this soul-shaking truth, this him and him alone ability that Jesus has to not only save us, but to cleanse us and then put us on the path so we can follow him fully, that is the life-changing truth we all need. Why? Because it's only then, when we are most aware of this truth, that we can come clean about who we really are. And isn't it crazy that sometimes our biggest fear is also the thing that our soul craves the most? It's being fully known. But we fear that and we do whatever we can to cover it up. It's why we have sin scales in the church. And and yeah, deep down, we know that it's not right. We know it's unbiblical, but it makes us feel so good about the dirt of ours that we want to remain hidden. So. It's not to be mentioned if we, yeah, you know, gossip from time to time, because child, I heard that the pastor was playing with the money, taken from it. and and it's not a big deal if I lie so I don't hurt somebody's feelings, because you know, I heard that sister so-and-so down the street, well, her daughter got pregnant accidentally, and all of a sudden, three weeks later, she's not pregnant no more. And And you know, I know that I can be a little lazy about my life and the things of God that I'm supposed to be executing. But look, 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 look over there. Quantavious got the gay. So I'm not as bad as he, right? See, his hell is real. And mine, well, well you know God knows my heart. And so he understands. mm no, no. These sin scales, they got to go. They're whack and they're wicked. And we've been using them to shame others to feel good about ourselves for far, far, far too long. Speaking of sin scales, I got just the passage to let us know how Jesus himself feels about them. Yo, (laughs) this one is rich. Okay, rich. Buckle up. Story time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. On this show, you're going to get every last one of these off keynotes, okay? (laughs) Now, we're traveling to John 8, and it's only right to set the scene. You feel me? So it's bright and early, dawn to be specific. We're in John chapter 8, verse 2, and onward. Jesus is back at the temple after spending the night in the Mount of Olives, and he's seated, symbolizing his position of authority. And he's teaching the many followers that are there. Well, in the middle of his teaching time, the janky scribes and Pharisees interrupt him by bringing a woman in front of him and the whole crowd. And they say this Master, we caught her in the act of adultery. According to the law of Moses, we're supposed to stone her. But what do you say? Now, push pause for a second. I see two giant red flags already bobbing around in this story. First, Scroll up a few verses in John 7. These same scribes and Pharisees were out here talking down to Jesus, calling for his arrest and doing everything they could to undermine who he is. Oh, but now you out here with the master flattery? Nah, nope. Flag one. Now flag two. Um, Speaking of two. So exactly how many people does it take to commit adultery? Where's your man's at? Where and here? is where the story gets juicy. See, when you check the background of this, it is correct. According to the law, if anyone was caught in the act of adultery, it was punishable by death. But in order to catch a couple, you had to have two witnesses that actually saw the act. Like fam, bodies had to be in motion for it to be considered adultery. So seeing two people sneaking out of the tents or into the tents for that matter, it was not enough. You had to see it with your own eyes, the act at work, okay? This made it incredibly rare for people to get caught committing adultery, so much so that most of the scholars concluded that in order for them to have caught this woman, they had to set her up. Dun, dun, dun. I wish I had some music <laughs> to put that through. So these jokers we were so bent on trapping Jesus that they set up this woman to try and take Jesus down. Okay, press play. Jesus appears to be in a quandary because if he disagrees and shows mercy to the woman, they'll accuse him of going against the law of their fathers, disqualifying him from being Messiah. But if Jesus agrees with them and puts her to death, then whoa, whoa, isn't that a little bit harsh for the man who calls himself the savior of the world? what to do, what to choose. The next thing that Jesus does is what proves to us that nobody, and I mean nobody, will ever, ever love us like he does. Jesus, seated in his rightful place of teaching and authority, he stoops low, <laughs> identifying with the broken, sinful state of the shamed woman. He stoops low, fam. Y'all better stop because I'm, I'm trying not to holler. He stoops. He gets low. To quote a hymn, he stoops to our weakness, right? You tell me what other kind of way of life, what other religion will get into the trenches with us after we've messed up? Who else is going to, from their innocence, stand with our guilt? I'll wait. But see, that's the thing about Jesus. He doesn't stop there. He takes his finger and begins to write into the ground, ignoring them entirely. Now, to this day, we don't know what he wrote. A lot of scholars are speculating and they say he started writing out their sins like, oh, two o'clock last night, you was hitting on your wife. Three o'clock this morning, you were flirting with somebody who wasn't your wife. Uh, three days ago, you stole from your neighbor's land. He was writing out their sins. But see, their pride wouldn't let them quit. So they keep, according to John 8, they keep on asking and demanding. They won't stop. They won't let up to what they call this huge, terrible sin. So Jesus gets up and says to them, the one here who has no sin can cast the first stone. Then beautiful Jesus stoops again. And goes back to writing. Well, sugar, one by one, from the eldest on, they walk away, leaving Jesus and the woman be. He stands up and asks her, where are your accusers? Who is here to condemn you? And she says, no one, Lord. So Jesus, beautiful, sweet Jesus, he looks at her and says, neither do I condemn you. Go. And sin no more. End scene. Yo, fam, what? Like, Jesus stands up for her, Jesus stoops down for her, and restores this woman's dignity, and then is boss enough to go right back to teaching. Like, I love it. I completely love it. But you know what's so satisfying for me about this text? That Jesus didn't just tell her to go. Why? Because he didn't just die so we could be left to our own fleshly devices. If he stopped at go, she would have left thinking that the worst of what she had done was now who she was. She would not have had the hope that Jesus provides in the instruction to sin no more. In that moment with Jesus, she finds that because there is no condemnation for her, she's free to never have to repeat her sin again. Like that's what his love did and that's what his love can do for us now. The truth is we all mess up. We all fumble or have our moments that we would shudder to see made public. A title doesn't relieve you of your sin nature. Money and social status can't do that either. We've all got our stuff, which is why we all need saving. You have a wild part about John 8 is that it's the Pharisees and scribes that come to Jesus demanding a punishment for this woman, not realizing that they end up walking away with the condemnation. By seeking out someone else's demise, they end up with the shame, and the woman walks away pardoned. Ain't that just like Jesus? In their hunt for other people's wrongs, they never saw their need to be made right. Yo, I lived that life. It appears proper and righteous on the outside, but on the inside, it's misery. Don't let that be you. We'll have stronger disciples who will make more strong disciples when we free people from the pain of condemnation by pointing to them, by pointing them to the goodness of God's grace. People know that they're bound. More often than not, they know when they're in sin. The issue can no longer be the shock at the sin. It must be how can we lead the blind to the light of the world? How can we help the lost get to the way? Love, grace, and truth are the tools for that. So, to conclude this shorter podcast episode, I'll say it this way Jesus didn't come to condone or to condemn, He came to save. This John. 317, right there. And because of this redemption, we can sing a song that the angels cannot sing. We've been made new, not perfect. And to be clear, the King James versions, those translations that say perfect in certain passages, it really means mature. Now, that used to confuse the mess out of me. So I'm just sharing this with my peoples, right? <laughs> we're not perfect, but we're made new. And it's from this new state that we can go live, move on beyond the blunders and sin no more. Therefore, we don't live for acceptance. We're accepted and so we live. This is what the woman of John 8 found on that fateful day. This is God's grace. Perhaps that's why they call it amazing. Here's my question. Real simple this time. It's just one. What does grace mean to you? Fam, thank you for letting me be with you today. If this brought you any value, I'd be honored if you'd subscribe to the show for more soul-hitting episodes delivered freely to your device each week. Now, would you do me a favor and leave a review and a rating if you can? It helps us spread the show to more people. And if you can, share this episode right now with your friends or family. I really appreciate that. Check out our website, soulworkwithson.com for more thoughts. We're on Facebook and Instagram at soulworkwithsan. Now hit me up on email. I'd love to hear how you're doing and what you think of the show. Hello at soulworkwithsan.com. That's hello at soulworkwithsan.com. Let's heal fam. You know we're in this together. Remember. You're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Talk soon.